bulletin, uh, we have a special guest speaker who is a longtime missionary here at uh, Rancho Baptist Church. We've been supporting him since 1993, and he and his family are here this morning. And I'm going to ask Mark to come on up right now, and uh, let's give him a warm Rancho Baptist welcome. You know, I, I met Mark when I back in 94 when I started seminary at Talbot. I was uh, had to go see some admissions counselor, <laughs> and this was the guy that uh, was uh, telling me the ropes of how to do seminary. And so we let you in anyway. Yep, that's that right. <laughs> so got uh, through the net. <laughs> when uh, I came to Rancho Baptist Church and I saw that Mark and Lisa were being supported by us, I'm like, hey, I know him, and uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, Mark, can you give us an update? First, introduce your family for us. I know they're sitting in the back row. Are they back okay. row Baptists by any chance? Amen. Okay. <laughs> um, just real quick, uh, back in the corner is my wife and our three kids, uh, Lisa, Luke, Allison, and Anne. Um, Luke is uh, about to be 13, Allison is about to be 10, and Anne is six years old, and I won't tell you about Lisa. <laughs> All right, let's give them a warm welcome, too. <laughs> Uh, Mark, for uh, let's remind us what you've been up to in the last couple of years. I know you were here about two years ago, but uh, some of us may not uh, remember what uh, your plans were. And so could you give us an update? Well, for about uh, 11 years, we were missionaries in Belgium, involved in church planting and then in teaching. And um, as we were uh, toward the end of that time in Belgium, we were involved in teaching in order to um, be more effective in teaching. And I'll be sharing more about this in the in the message coming up, but um, we were looking to uh, see how we could do that, and we uh, really sensed the Lord leading to get further training so that we could go back to Europe and be um, uh, and train church leaders. So uh, two years ago, we left Belgium and went to Scotland, where presently I'm working on a PhD in New Testament at the University of Aberdeen, and uh, that's what's going on right now. And then, as I said, we we're looking to um, when we finish there to be going back to uh, the continent of Europe and be involved in training church leaders. By that time, we'll be able to call you Dr. Deny. You, you can, but if your elbow hurts, I won't be able to help you out. That's right. <laughs> well, we're going to learn more about your ministry through your sermon. And uh, also, folks, they have a prayer card that you can pick up at the back table to remind you to pray. Put this on your uh, refrigerator or in your car or something. And, and please uh, keep the denies in prayer. But uh, we're expecting you to preach the word. And, okay. uh what translation? Oh, I'm sorry. We don't use that translation. <laughs> it's the Mark Deny translation. Okay, yeah. just kidding. <laughs> God bless um, you, Mark, as you bring the word to us. Thank you. I'm not leaving. <laughs> some visual aids. I said the 8 o'clock crowd is a little tough, you know, 8 in the morning, so have some things to help you track. Well, uh, as Matt just mentioned, we... Uh, um, have been supported by this church since uh, 93 or 94, somewhere in there. And so the first thing I want to say this morning before we go any further is thank you. Thank you for your partnership with us for years. Um, it's been uh, an interesting ride, a, an, a great experience, that, and God has um, brought us through many things, taught us many things, blessed us in many ways, but that wouldn't be possible without the partnership of you and and other churches and individuals like you. So thank you. That's what we want to say. We've been with the mission now. Uh, we were appointed in 1991. So this is our 15th year with World Venture. We, get, uh, we were just in the home office um, 
in, uh, well, last week in Denver, um, and they have a little, uh, little gifts they give you for years of service. So for 15 years, you get a Bible. And uh, we're excited. It's really nice. You know, it has the logo and our names and everything. But we thought, well, if you've been a missionary 15 years, and then they give you a Bible, <laughs> hopefully by, by then you might have had one. But, uh, <laughs> but as we say, we've worn it out. So that's what we say. We've worn out the, the previous ones, so they gave us a new one. It's really nice. Um, well, it's, it is great to be with you here this morning and to finally uh, uh, see you face to face. We've been writing letters and been in contact, and I came through a couple years ago and shared with you about kind of our, our change in ministry, but uh, haven't been able to uh, see you face to face for a while. So it's good to be here and to be able to share with you. Um, I want to share with you this morning something from the Word and, uh, and how that is um, corresponded in, in our lives, and hopefully a challenge for your life as well. But it has to do with a story. And I think it's safe to say we all like stories. Um, there's different kinds of stories, and some of us prefer, um, you know, adventure stories, some prefer romances, some prefer uh, mysteries. There's all different kinds of stories. But I think it's safe to say that we like stories. It was fun when we uh, moved to Scotland. Um, we uh, and went to the University of Aberdeen. I saw that the, uh, uh, the founder of the University of Aberdeen, it was founded in, in 1495, by the way. So uh, they, it's just 10 years ago celebrated its 500th anniversary. Um, pretty amazing. I had been, uh, I did my undergraduate at USC up in Los Angeles. And when I was there, they had just celebrated their 100th anniversary. And they were very proud, you know, 100 years we've been here. Go to Aberdeen, 500 years, wow. But when I got there, I saw the name on, uh, uh, on the name of the founder, and there's a monument to him, and it was Bishop Elphinstone. Now, whoa, that is so like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know, here we are in Scotland, it's all kind of, you know, the countryside, the castles, and there's Elphinstone. I wonder if he had pointy ears, I don't know. But, um, but that makes me think of one of, our, one of my favorite stories, Lord of the Rings. Um, another story that I like a lot um, is Star Wars. Do we have any Star Wars fans? Yes. Yes, okay. We, can, we geeks can be proud. All right. I like Star Wars. It's okay to admit it. Now, Star Wars is an interesting story. Um, I, it was, I remember uh, I saw the very first one that came out. I was like 12 years old, and I remember it because I got to go to the theater with my brother, and we went alone. So, you know, it was like big time. We didn't have to go with our parents. We went alone. We went and saw Star Wars. And at the time, well, I loved it. It was a great film, and then, you know, they came out with the other two then, and then you had to, you know, wait 20 years, and then they came out with three more. But the interesting thing is, now, we're going to see if you're really a Star Wars fan, the first one that came out, what number is that in the series? Four. <laughs> okay, you are fans. All right. <laughs> it's number four. That means they began the story, this long saga of Star Wars, they began in the middle, right? because they did four, five, and six, and then they went back and did one, two, and three. And so uh, you had to, I guess they gave you 20 years to get your head around that before they came out with the, the first one, two, and three. But you start the story in the middle. And we are part of a story. We are part of a story. God's working in the world. But sometimes we forget that we are in the middle of a story. We are uh, not at the beginning or the end of a story, at least not yet, 
we are in the middle of a story, a story of what God is doing in history. And um, sometimes it becomes easy for us to be a little um, uh, kind of, you know, it's all about me. <laughs> um, I like the book, you, you've probably heard the, the, the Purpose Driven Life, um, that book. And I, I knew I would like it when I fought, read the first line. It says, it's not about you. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's a good, it's an important thing to underline. Um, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. But sometimes when we think about the story of God's working out history, throughout history, we get, um, we forget that we've come in the middle of a story and we kind of see maybe, you know, our part in it, which is important, but we think that's the center of it. And it's not. It's not. We are joining God's plan in history. A lot of times, and sometimes even the way we present the gospel to others, we can say, you know, have God be a part of your life. <laughs> um, okay, that makes sense, but it's probably more accurate to say, why don't you become a part of God's plan instead of God becoming a part of your plan? Well, we have God's working in history, and uh, recently I read a, a, a passage, and it really struck me about this story. Um, it, it was something that Paul wrote, and if you have your Bibles with you, can, you can turn to Ephesians 3. Um, as uh, Lisa and I have been in Scotland, I've been at the university there, we've also gotten very involved at a church there. And uh, I've become a part of uh, the preaching team of that church. They have, um, they have a, a pastor, an assistant pastor, but they also have several others that preach regularly. And um, a little while ago, we did a special teaching weekend on Ephesians. And I got to uh, do some team teaching with the pastor, and, and uh, we did Ephesians 2 and 3. And as we read through, I was just, uh, I had read Ephesians 3 before, but it hadn't really struck me. And some things really stood out to me. And then, and then the pastor said, well, um, you take Ephesians 2 and I'll do 3. And I said, wait a minute, there's really interesting things in 3. So I did preach on Ephesians 2, but since we're back in the States, I had my chance to speak about Ephesians 3 and some of the amazing things we see there. Um, Paul is uh, developing a, a, a long uh, argument here. He's gone from the beginning, and he's, it's a f if you've read through Ephesians, I, I encourage you to do it if you haven't. Um, it's a packed epistle. He has a lot he wants to say, and it's really dense. But as he's working through kind of the, his argument and things he wants to say, uh, he gets to chapter 3, and he kind of has a... Uh, he gets ahead of himself. He says... Uh, in chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then, if you, most versions there have a break, because he jumps a thought. Um, you'll notice that he actually comes back to it um, in verse 14. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. And then in, verse, in chapter 4, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you. So he's coming back to these ideas later. But he's He's about to say something in chapter 3, and then he stops, because he hits a word, Gentiles, for the uh, prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And that makes him stop, because he wants to um, elaborate on that. He has more he wants to say. He has a story that he's been telling, and he, he gets to an important part of it. It's interesting, um, just to point out, there's a, a couple interesting words in this passage, words that have to do kind of with the story and with a, the development of an idea. In, um, in verses 2 and 9, we have a word, um, well, in, in verse 2 in the NIV that I have, it's translated administration. 
And um, in verse 9, again, administration, um, it's a word that can be uh, translated management, arrangement, order, plan. Um, we have this idea of a, of a structure, of a plan. Um, and if you want to keep the idea of story going, you could say plot. <laughs> um, Paul has a role that he plays. He's a character in this story. And part of the plot, the, uh, the, the big idea of this story, um, this being unfolded, Paul wants to underline that. He also says in verse uh, 11, he uses the word um, that, can, uh, that comes out purpose, but can also mean um, a presentation, a plan, a purpose, a, a, a will or resolve. Um, we have these story words that are put in. Here's the purpose. Here's the big idea of the story. We have the plan of the story. We have the order of it. Paul is unfolding a story for us. And it's not uh, just the beginning of it. He's already been doing this in chapter 1 and 2. Um, this story is a special kind of story. And you see that in verse 3. Uh, he says, That is the mystery made known by revelation, as I have already written briefly. Uh, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So we know what kind of story this is. It's a mystery story. <laughs> um, now, how is it a mystery? Um, if we come in like we do, uh, if we become believers in our time and our day and age, we come in in the middle of a story. And for us, it may not be such a great mystery. But if you look at the big idea, it is a mystery. Because what's going on? We have... Uh, to get the whole story, you start at creation. God creates the world. Um, he uh, uh, makes it perfect. He makes um, humans the way they should be. Um, then we have the fall. We have sin. Sin takes place. Relationship with God is broken. Relationship with each other is broken. Then God steps in to begin his plan. But his plan begins with a specific people in a specific place. He's working in Israel, with the people of Israel, uh, starts with Abraham and then goes through with the Jews. And he, uh, we can read through the Old Testament, the vast majority of God's working with the human race in the Old Testament is with the Jews. And he's given a, a laws, he's, he's had this relationship, they've broken the laws, they've gone back and forth, he's forgiven them, he's called them back, he's, he's uh, exiled them, and then they come back. So we have this story that's going on. We have the problem of sin, we have God working with the Jews, but how is this going to work? How is God going to reach the world? What's going on? How is, it's a, it is a mystery. <laughs> That's the big question. How is God going to reach the people uh, in Temecula? <laughs> how is God going to reach the people in Africa, in China, in, in India, in, uh, in Europe? Um, how, how is this going to work? Well, uh, that, that was the mystery, and Paul gives the answer to that. It's, it doesn't uh, remain a mystery because he says very clearly what it is. He says in verse 6, This mystery is, so here it is, that, though, uh, that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So the mystery is that through Christ, it's no longer specific in one area with one people through the law. That is all put aside. Through Christ, now it's open to everyone. Yeah. 
That is the good news of the gospel. And it's open to, to you, to me, to the people we work with in Europe, uh, to the people you live around in Temecula. Um, it's it's uh, no longer hidden. It's no longer a mystery. It's open. And that is uh, the, the great news. Now, Paul is excited about this. Um, he, uh, he has said before that... Um, uh, he's, he's talked in chapter 2 about the Gentiles being distant, being without hope and without God in the world. And now they're brought near in Christ Jesus. And that's an exciting thing. They are not only just like brought in kind of like, well, you can come in the door, but stay in the back kind of thing. But he says they're fellow heirs, fellow members, fellow sharers in the promise. They are uh, equal with, uh, with the Jews and with what God is doing. Everyone has access. Paul is excited about this. And in verse 8, he's excited about his role in the story. So we have this story. It's a mystery story, but the mystery is solved because in Christ, now everyone has access. And Paul is excited. He has a special role that he gets to play. He says uh, in verse 8, Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul is uh, happy about the role that he gets to play in this story. Um, even though earlier in his life he was persecuting Christians, even participating in the death of Christians, later, now, he has a special role. He gets to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, something that hadn't been done before. And it is. It's a, it's a great blessing that he was given, and he's aware of that, and he's excited about that. Well, the point of all this, um, of what God is doing here, and this is the amazing thing. This is the thing I want that got me so excited about reading this. Is in verse, uh, verse ten. I'll, I'll begin reading in verse nine. It says, "And to make so that his uh, Paul's role was to preach to the Gentiles." And, and then he says, "And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things." But what is the goal of all this? What's the point? His intent was that now through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Isn't that, have you ever realized that that's part of what church is? I guess that hadn't struck me in that way. Do you realize how key church is? It is not just, uh, well, you know, we kind of share the same ideas about God, so we come together, you know, and, and encourage each other. Um, besides, there's not a lot going on on Sunday morning, so... You know, it's a good place to be. Um, no, <laughs> no, it's huge. God's intent was to show to spiritual powers his wisdom. How? Through the church. The church has that role to demonstrate God's wisdom. Now, um, I'm sure here at Temecula, things, uh, things are going very well, and there aren't the problems, and, and, and so you guys are doing great. But some of the churches I've been involved with, a church I've helped plant, sometimes I think, boy, God's wisdom is not being demonstrated here. <laughs> this is kind of something maybe we should kind of cover over till things get better. But that's not what God says. God says the purpose of the church is to demonstrate God's wisdom to, the, um, to these heavenly powers. That is huge. That means our, uh, our involvement in church is not just because we have nothing else to do or because it's a good social place to be. It has eternal spiritual significance. Uh, I hope you can see here Paul's passion for the church and God's 
passion for the church, ultimately. Um, the church, uh, Ephesians is a great book for the church. Um, in, back in chapter 2, he talks about, uh, the first half of chapter 2, he talks about uh, our vertical relationship with God, that it's been broken and, uh, through sin, but now in Christ, we can have a restored vertical relationship with God. Then the second half of Ephesians 2, he talks about our horizontal relationships. And again, especially as Gentiles, you're far off, you are strangers to the covenant of promise, but now in Christ you've been made near. You were without hope and without God in the world. But in Christ, he's broken down the dividing wall that existed between Jew and Gentile. Now in Christ, we can have that unity. So the, the vertical relationship with God was broken and our horizontal relationship with others was, was broken. But in Christ and in the church, both those can be restored. In Christ, we can have that right relationship with God. And in the church, we can have that right relationship with each other. And so he's talked about that kind of on a human level. But now in chapter 3, he even takes it to a, to a heavenly level, that the church exists to, to demonstrate God's wisdom to the world. That's an exciting thing. And um, he finishes that in, in uh, verse 11 there, just to read that, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that was his eternal purpose, to do this work of the church. Well, uh, that's a, a passage I, I just wanted to share with you because it underlines God's passion for the church. And if you're here this morning, you have some interest in church. You, you came to a church on a Sunday morning, so uh, you have some interest. Um, we also, uh, Lisa and I, in, in our ministry, we also have an interest in the church. We've, uh, it's been our, kind of our theme, I guess you could say, of our ministry. We, um, we're sent out by churches. We've been involved in planting churches. That's kind of our past. And uh, I want to, here, time for the visual aids. Who can tell me what country that flag represents? What, that is from what country? I see a hand. Germany, close. Uh, that's Germany. <laughs> it's this, this way. Any idea? Let's see. The denies were where? Let's think. Belgium. Okay, all right. Good. It is the 8 o'clock service, so we'll just keep going. All right. Belgium. Uh, this kind of represents our, uh, for Lisa and I, our past, our, the 11 years we were in Belgium. Uh, we were involved in church planting. Uh, we went in 1993 uh, over to, to uh, yeah, in, we were appointed in 91, and in 93 we left uh, to go be church planters in Brussels, Belgium. And we started out um, with, uh, well, first we learned the language and the culture for the first couple years, and then we were involved in a church plant. It started with four couples, just uh, eight people, and it was a, a slow and <laughs> painful beginning, but little by little, God added people. And it was, uh, there were some difficult times, um, some difficult things for uh, us personally and, and in the ministry, but God was faithful, and he added people, and um, after about seven, eight years with that church, we really felt that it had reached a point where it was, we don't like to say self-sufficient, because the church shouldn't be <laughs> relying on itself, but it was relying on God and not on us. There was Belgian leadership in place. So through the growth of that church, 
um, we were able to see God work and we were able to ha have a part of that. Um, some exciting things uh, that we were able to see over the years. Um, one, one thing is a couple, Ken and Ann Taylor. We wrote about them in our prayer letters some, um, so some of you may have heard of them. Ken started coming about the, oh, the second month that we were meeting. He was a brand new Christian and he was full of zeal for the Lord and also uh, almost completely lacking in tact. So he would just kind of run over people and um, offend people, and he'd spend half his time apologizing for the thing he'd done the last week. And then, so uh, he was, uh, but really sold out for Jesus. And so we saw a lot of potential in Ken. And little by little, we worked with Ken and his wife, Anne. And then uh, after a few years, he uh, decided uh, that God was leading him into to ministry, really. That's where his heart was. And he attended the Belgian Bible Institute, the, the training um, institution there in, in Brussels. And about two or three years ago, he finished at the Belgian Bible Institute, and he was looking for a, a ministry position. Now, the problem in Belgium is um, I can count on one hand the number of pastors I know that are supported by their church that, that can be a full-time pastor. Um, the churches are small, and also they don't have the mentality of giving to, to pay for a pastor, um, something that's, uh, that we're still working on over there. But uh, Ken got an offer from the Baptist Union of Canada in Quebec, in French-speaking Quebec, because he's a French speaker. And so a year and a half ago, Ken and Anne went to Montreal. They did a year internship at a church there. And just before we came here for this summer, he emailed me to say he had been hired on as kind of a, a youth outreach pastor at a church in, in Quebec, in Montreal. And we are so excited to see that. It's, uh, it's kind of full circle for us. You know, we've, uh, we were sent out as, as kind of novice <laughs> missionaries and made our mistakes, but God used that. And then we saw, we helped Ken grow, we saw Ken get trained, and now Ken and Anne are um, fully committed believers having a ministry in Montreal. And they have a heart, really, one day to go back to Belgium if they can uh, find a way to do that financially. But it's, uh, it's exciting to see how God has worked in their life and that we've, we've been able to be a part of that and you've been able to be a part of that through your partnership. Um, another exciting thing, it just happened last year, even as we were, had left to be in Scotland, uh, the church that we helped plant, um, by the way, they just celebrated their 10th anniversary um, in December of uh, last year. And that was uh, exciting to see. But something they did this last year is they started kind of a uh, mission support group. They saw that some people from their church had been sent out and so, uh, well, uh, Ken and Anne in, in Montreal, we were in Scotland, another couple is getting ready to go have a ministry in, um, in Africa, in Burkina Faso. And so they put together, uh, it's basically an embryonic missions committee. And that is so exciting to see, because again, it's, it's full circle. We were sent out by churches here in the States. We go, we were able to help plant a church, and that church now has, uh, is getting a vision for um, the people around the world and what God is doing around the world, and they want to be a part of that. And that is exciting to see. So um, those are some, uh, some of the, the good stories about what's been going on in, uh, in Belgium in that church that we helped plant. Well, as we um, handed the leadership of that church over to the, to the Belgians, and there were uh, Belgians um, qualified to do that, we were looking as to where the Lord was leading us. And I had been involved teaching part-time at the Belgian Bible Institute, and they were happy to have me do that, and they wanted me to come on staff full-time. Also, as I was involved at the church, when I would preach, people would say, uh, well, Mark, you have the gift of teaching. <laughs> and I 
never knew how to take that. Does that mean I really don't have the gift of preaching? Or that they felt they learned something. So I just decided to be naively positive and say, OK, well, uh, they liked the, the teaching then. So I um, became more and more involved in teaching. And we transitioned from um, that church that we were involved in to teaching at the Belgian Bible Institute. And we saw that uh, the Lord really was using that, and that was a, a fruitful ministry. So we, um, we were trying to see how long-term I could be more involved in teaching in this missionary setting. And it became clear as we talked with our, with our mission and with, uh, with other missionaries, with other institutions, with, um, and then we, even, we came back and, and talked with our supporting churches and individuals that the Lord was leading us toward this um, toward being more involved in teaching, which would mean getting more education myself. So in 2004, we left um, Belgium, and flag number two. You know what this flag is? Okay, all right. Now, even if you didn't know that, you know we're in Scotland, so you know maybe that was cheating, but yes. This is the Scottish flag. Um, in 2004, we moved to Aberdeen, Scotland. The University of Aberdeen has one of the best biblical studies programs, really, in the world. Um, and I went there for their uh, New Testament program. Um, it's about a, a three-year program, and so I'm about two-thirds of the way through. Probably be finishing, <laughs> Lord willing, that's one of our prayer requests, uh, be finishing uh, the f next fall, uh, 2007. That's not a great time to move a family, so our mission has encouraged us to stay there till the next summer and to be checking out ministry opportunities and do some teaching, um, kind of itinerant uh, teaching, and then move uh, the summer of 2008 back to Europe. But that's where we are now, is in, in Scotland. Um, I'm in this study program. Uh, my specific area of study is Paul's metaphors for the church in 1 Corinthians and their social historical background. Now, if you want to talk more about that, that gets me very excited. Um, doesn't get other people excited. Great story of a friend of mine who was doing a, a PhD. Um, he and his wife and my wife and I were on a trip somewhere, and he was driving. It was late at night, and, um, and his wife said to him, oh, honey, why don't you talk to us about what your thesis is? That way, you'll be real excited and stay awake while you drive, and the rest of us can go to sleep. <laughs> so. But uh, maybe some of you are excited about the thesis topic, but I am. And it is uh, ultimately a study about the church, understanding, trying to understand better what the biblical teaching of the church is as, as uh, I train church leaders. So that's what I'm doing there. Um, we've been excited uh, for the uh, people that we've been able to meet there. It's an exciting place to be. Uh, my supervisor is uh, a world-class expert on this uh, on uh, social historical backgrounds to the church, but he's also an elder in the church that we're involved in. So that's kind of exciting to be involved with him. Um, some other interesting people there, just to see how God places people and, and networks people. Um, there's a couple that are house-sitting for us while we're here in the States, uh, Ozzy and Angie. Osvaldo is from Dominican Republic, and his wife Angie is from Romania. They met at Moody Bible Institute, and then... Uh, Ozzy did a master's at Trinity, and now he's doing this uh, PhD at Aberdeen. But it's exciting to see how God has brought them together from around the world, and their, uh, their international capabilities and uh, interests, it's a great resource for us uh, to be able to know someone like that. And now uh, he's an Acts scholar, 
And so we have this research in, resource in the future. Another interesting story, uh, a guy named Abby. Abby is from the Congo. Um, he uh, did a master's degree in Kenya, and now he's doing a PhD in Aberdeen. Well, he's, since he's from the Congo, we uh, kind of made a connection in our heads. We have some friends in Belgium um, at the church that we helped plant. He's um, an elder there and is uh, really the guy that's kind of carrying the church. Again, that church doesn't have a paid pastor. And so his name is Alain and his wife uh, uh, Adeline. And Alain carries that church in many ways. His time, his effort, his money, he does a lot for that church in Belgium. Well, he's originally from the Congo. And uh, we knew he had this big weight. And so we were able uh, to have him come over to Scotland for a weekend with us, just to kind of a long weekend, just to kind of have a, a break. And as he came over, I thought, oh, it would be interesting. He's from the Congo, and Abby's from the Congo. I wonder, you know, if they'd like to meet each other. So we kind of introduced them and their wives, and it was just great to see. They started speaking in French. That's kind of the old colonial language from the Congo area. And then they realized that their, the wives were from the exact same town in the Congo, so they went into their, to Lingala, which is the African language. And they were able to, uh, oh, you're from here, oh, and you went to this church, and oh, we, we come from that area, and oh, well, maybe we can help you with this, oh, well, maybe you can come over and teach here. And uh, it was a great connection to make from our experience in Belgium to this student in, uh, in Aberdeen that's from the Congo. It's, I uh, kind of need a globe to, to chart it all out. But it's exciting to see um, these people there at Aberdeen that are... Uh, doing their studies there, but have this heart for ministry. Another a great guy, uh, my office mate, Matthias, he's from Norway, and then he went to school in Sweden, and he told me that about when he was in Norway, he was uh, in high school, and he was a believer, and he was, uh, he was a very zealous believer. He, he started a Bible club in his school, and he made a giant Bible out of styrofoam, and he would run up and down the halls at lunchtime saying, it's Bible club time. And the teachers really didn't like it, and so they'd yell out their doors, don't listen to him, don't listen. He said it was the best publicity ever. So he ended up having like 200 students come to the Bible Club just to see what this radical was going to say. Well, now he's doing a PhD at Aberdeen, and he has a heart for missions in Asia. He was taking some classes in Chinese while he was at Aberdeen to, to uh, be a missionary um, out in, uh, in Asia. So. It's an exciting place to be, and we really feel God is using these relationships that we're able to build to network to build his kingdom. Um, uh, we've also been involved in the church there. Just to share a little bit uh, about Lisa. Um, Lisa, I mentioned I was on the, the preaching team, and I'm also involved with the worship team. But Lisa has gotten involved. Uh, she started in a small way, just helping out with the youth, and then uh, through a few uh, circumstances ended up leading the youth program in the church. So Lisa oversees... Um, they don't have a full uh, a youth pastor at this point, and she's overseeing the different ministries and um, uh, involved specifically with a, a kind of the high school group, a discipleship group that she and some others are, are uh, leading. So we've been able to get very involved locally as well as have our, uh, our ministry continue um, through our relationships in Europe. I've also been able to go back and teach in Europe a few times, and back in Belgium and Bulgaria. I was invited to teach there. Um, next year, been invited to teach in Ukraine. So, been able to keep my foot in ministry while doing this study program. Um, that's kind of our present situation. So, flag of Scotland. Now, our last flag. Let's see if you can figure this out. This is a flag that represents something. 
Surrender. Surrender. Um, because our future place of ministry, we don't really know where that is yet. <laughs> and that's our big prayer request. Um, as we uh, look in the next uh, year or two to be finishing in Scotland, uh, we have committed to stay with World Venture and be involved in teaching in Europe, but we're not exactly sure where. The, the question isn't what place could use a, a, a New Testament um, professor. Um, as I go around and, and meet people from different places, as soon as they hear that, oh, you, a missionary that wants to come teach in Europe and has this training, um, I get off, I've had offers from Bulgaria, from Spain, from Greece, from, uh, from France, from Belgium, from all over. Uh, so the question isn't who could use someone with this training, but where can we be most effective? Um, to come back to the story of Ephesians 3, you know, uh, God has been working throughout history. Um, we want to play our part, and we want to play uh, an effective part. So as we look to the future, we do know some things, and we don't know some others. One thing we do know is that we'll be involved in training church leaders. That's what uh, my training has been for. That's what our experience has been. So we know we'll be involved in training church leaders, but we don't know where. And we would really appreciate your prayers for that. Where can we be most effective? Um, in fact, in October, we're taking a trip um, through the French-speaking part of Europe, through Belgium, France, and Switzerland, um, visiting some schools and seeing some possibilities. But um, it might be somewhere else. We want to see where we can be most effective in Europe. So we'd appreciate your, your prayers for that. Now, another thing that we know we'll be involved with is we've been invited to join with World Venture their European ministry team. Um, for World Venture, Europe consists of uh, from Ireland to Siberia. If you look on a map, you'll see that's pretty huge. Uh, there's lots of countries, peoples, languages, and ministries that are going on in this area. And so the... the um, the administrator for Europe, the director for Europe, um, there's no way that he can effectively pastor all the missionaries that are there and support them and hold them accountable. And so he's asked some experienced missionary couples to join him. And there are five couples he's asked to join, and we are one of those. To, um, uh, to be under him, he would um, be mentoring us, and we would be being uh, responsible for certain areas of ministry. And for us, they've asked us to oversee fields that are involved specifically in theological education, because that's what our experience and training is in. So they've asked us to give about a quarter of our time to help oversee theological education in Europe, so that we can be uh, helping oversee people that are being trained to be part of this plan, to be a part of this story, um, pe people that are working in churches and ministering there. There's a huge need in in Europe for trained leaders. You know, in the States, well, I, I just look out here and I see uh, there are children here. Um, I, you, I see you've, you've expanded your children's ministry center. Um, that's great. You know, but a lot of people in Europe that come to the Lord, they don't have the Christian background that a lot of people in the States do. Lisa and I have the great privilege of growing up in church, and sometimes we don't realize the blessing that that is, to have the Bible just kind of permeate you over the years. The stories, you see how a church works, you, you hear the messages. Um, a lot of people in Europe that come to the Lord don't have that background, and they need the training. And we see, we've seen in the church we've helped plant the difference that trained leaders has made. So um, that's what we'll be doing in our ministry and what we'll help be overseeing for a world venture for the 
the mission world venture. Well, that's our future. We want to surrender to God's will, and we would appreciate your prayers to know where that would be. But I want to finish this morning not just with a kind of a, an update on what we're doing, but also I want to ask you about your part in the story. We've seen God has a story, this, uh, this mystery story that's been solved um, through the, the death of Christ and his work on the cross, that the gospel is open to all people now. Paul is excited about his part in the story. Remember, he said, I get to be the apostle to the Gentiles. That's a very special role that God gave Paul, and he's excited about it. God has given Lisa and I a special role. We are excited about the role he has given us. We've been able to go to Europe, to Belgium, and now we're in Scotland, we'll be somewhere else. Um, we're excited about being part of God's story. We wouldn't want to be uh, apart from that. We want to be as much in that story as we can. But I want to ask you about your involvement in the story. What is your role? Are you just a minor character that appears uh, just in one page in a, in, as someone who stood in the back of a church or someone who, uh, who kind of came and was kind of regular on Sunday mornings, but that was it? <clears throat> or is your part going to be a key part, <laughs> a, a, an important character in God's story? Are you going to have a role that, uh, that makes a difference. Remember, what he said, it's, uh, it's not about you. I like that line. It's not about us. It's about God. And so what role are you going to play in God's story, his worldwide story? Now, maybe that means uh, for you that it's right here in Temecula and, and you don't go any further, and uh, that God gives you a key role right here and, and in, um, in this church and in this community. That would be so important. But it's easy just to let that pass by, too, and just kind of be passive and not be active in that. So I want to encourage you. What is your role? Do you have an active one? Maybe it's here in Temecula. And maybe it was great to hear uh, Matt talking about your desire to be sending out more people, to be sending out more people globally so, and be involved in God's story around the world. Well, I want to leave you with that challenge this morning. And maybe as we close in prayer... Um, we could think about that. What is your role, what is my role, in God's story? Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you so much for this morning. We want to thank you for your word, for your story, for your work that you've been doing since creation. And you invite us to be a part of it. We want to thank you for Christ, his death on the cross, and and the gift of salvation that he offers to, to all men now. God, we also want to ask that you speak to us, that you show us where you want us to be involved in your story. God, we want to be more than just a, a bit part, be, a, be more than just a, a minor character that, that doesn't, doesn't influence much. God, we want to be active in your story. We want to be involved. We want to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with our friends and our family. We want to be building up other believers. God, I pray that you could show us all here this morning and in each one individually how we can be using our gifts, what you've given us, to build up your church because that's uh, the purpose why you've made this church, to show your wisdom, 
to the, to the heavenly powers, God. What a, what a huge blessing that you give us and a great responsibility you give us to be involved in your church, in your story that you're building. So thank you, God, for all these blessings. We pray that even today and this week you would speak to us about how we can be effective and, and important characters in your story, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.